Hey everyone, this is Josh back with Cardboard Chronicles, and today we have a legendary guest in the hobby, Justin, also known <coughs> as Alabama Slamma on Blowout and 610 Sports Cards on Instagram. How you doing, Justin? I'm doing well, Josh. How are you? I'm doing through our difficulties. Yeah, well, we got them figured out now. So why don't you start us off by telling us about yourself and also your background in the collecting? Yeah, so I am, uh, I'm 36, and I think the hobby story is very similar to a lot of other people. You know, I, I busted packs as a kid. Um, we had all kinds of uh, hobby shops within the area. Um, we had some local gas stations where after baseball games, basketball games, uh, we would duck in. My parents would buy me some packs. Um, I'd rip through those and then just kind of pour over the stats and all the fun stuff on the backs of cards. Um, just, you know, reading about the game, about players. Um, and yeah, so it's, it, it started there. Um, I vividly remember one time going to a, a card shop in Greensboro, North Carolina with a buddy of mine. And we opened some nine, I think it was 93, 94 stadium club basketball. And he pulled a second year Shaq beam team, which I think booked for 20 or 30 bucks at the time. And I got completely blanked and I was just furious the rest of the day because I'm, I'm an only child, but uh, he also got the nice card. Um, but yeah, it's just fun stories like those trading, ripping packs, um, screwing around with friends. Um, I got out of it, I think probably sixth or seventh grade. So early nineties. And then I jumped back in in college in the early 2000s. So I missed, I missed all of the stuff that currently holds all kinds of value. Um, but I did get back into it in, in college because a, a buddy of mine, um, this was when eBay was still in its infancy. So he would he, he had always been involved with the hobby somehow, um, but he would go to the local show in Raleigh, North Carolina and buy, you know, just Michael Vick cards for 100 bucks and then come back and sell them on eBay that night for five to 10 times what he paid for them Jeez. because eBay just wasn't the, the gold standard at the time. So I kind of got back in from that sense, like, OK, make a little money and for school and, you know, get back into the hobby and, and see what's changed. And, um, and so much had changed obviously in 10 years. Um, but I continued to do it a little bit through college. Um, I think I graduated in 05. And, and after that, I again, took another break for maybe five or six years, uh, just doing other stuff. And then it was weird. I, I randomly remember just pulling a, a one, a Will Chamberlain incredible auto out of my, out of my little safe there and be like, Oh, okay. I wonder what this is worth now. And it had gone up a few dollars. So that, and I was like, well, I guess I'm back in. And I think it's been, that was six or seven years ago. So yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of where we're at today. It's, it's been an on and off cycle, but it's definitely been on for quite a while now. So you've been back pretty consistently since then. I have. Yeah. The, uh, it, the hobby's taken some, some different turns and twists in terms of the things that, that, you know, I, I like to buy or that I've tried buying throughout the years. But yeah, for the past six, six to seven years, it's, it's been pretty much nonstop. Um, I think I've been to, this will be my, my sixth national this summer. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been doing that for quite a while now. Um, I try to get to the local shows as much as I can here in Northern Virginia. Uh, those are always fun. I've been to a few Chantilly shows and then obviously the growth and the, the online has, has helped everybody and anybody involved as, as much as they want to be. So it's it's fascinating, to say the least. I've seen your stuff on Instagram, but try to categorize or explain what you collect because it's pretty diverse from what I've seen. Yeah, uh, I've I've kind of tried to do all of the different 
little corners of the hobby. You know, I try, I still, first of all, I stick with basketball. Yeah. Um, it's, it's hard enough for me with basketball to keep track of, you know, 15 guys or however many guys it is on a roster. Um, let alone football is 52 guys on a roster. And I just think baseball is stupid and pointless. So I don't, I don't even mess with those. Um, I just try and stick with basketball. And, you know, I've, I've tried to do like the, the buying full collections um, and, and piecemeal those out when I, you know, when things slowed down for me for a while, I was like, all right, I'll just, you know, buy a few collections and see how that goes. That didn't go well. I mean, I still have all kinds of just dollar, two dollar stuff that that for me isn't doesn't keep me interested. Um, so, you know, I that didn't really work out. I've tried, you know, prospecting rookies and things like that. And while that's that's fun, I don't really have the the stones, if you will, to to buy up, you know, hundreds or thousands or however much money it is of a guy who um you know is is fresh in the league or maybe a second year guy yeah. um and you know I, I tried it a few times i i did well but most of the time i didn't do well so I'm like all right well this isn't this isn't necessarily my thing and i think this has been a, a common theme that that all of your other guests have pointed out so far but the areas that you know I, i've done the best in terms of a, a value perspective but then also the stuff i enjoy the most is just buying what i like um you know and i i have no shame or no problem admitting like that definitely changes throughout the years i think the the first time it kind of hit me uh to to stick with the whole buy what you like thing was the with the the rookie flashbacks from the 2009 2010 exquisite set um i i started buying those i think in maybe 2011 or 12 uh just because they were they were cheap relatively speaking um at the time I, I enjoyed the tribute to the original 0304 exquisite uh we were a couple of years into the panini exclusive and and panini wasn't really putting out anything that that tripped my trigger so um between those different factors the the veteran i like the veteran angle to it so you know paying tribute to you know this is essentially what the veteran exquisite rookie would look like for some of these guys it was just a, a cool confluence of factors that that all played into like all right i'll just start start picking these up and um you know i collected those for two or three years and then it it admittedly got to the point where i mean they were they were worth a good bit more than i paid for them and at that point i wasn't comfortable paying that amount of money to continue to pick them up so um so i moved those i i sold those um just picked up other stuff here and there um and then i i kind of moved into the shiny stuff game um, you know, whether it's just and just trying to focus on Kobe, Jordan and LeBron of, you know, just gold refractors, extractors, regular refractors, whatever it was. Um, just again, it was it was cool because they were they were cheap, but they were also just they were gorgeous cards. I mean, the, the tops Chrome and Bowman Chrome photography is still something that I don't think Panini has been able to replicate uh, across any set. So it's just these I mean, I, I see the picture of the, the chalk toss in the background of, of your office and. You know that that may show up here in a few minutes when I I show off a card or two, um, but it, it's just these these iconic images and the you know the horizontal they they, they take a three by or a two by three card and make make it seem much bigger than it actually is just with with one picture and the way that they frame the photography. So it's it's just different stuff like that that you know you you find whatever you like you buy what you like and whatever keeps you engaged and you find that other people share similar interests or, or whatever. Um, and that's really where I've, I've just found that my niche essentially is it's, it's high end basketball. Um, it's, it's pre Panini stuff. Again, I, I, 
I see where Panini, to me, they take a few steps forward with some good designs, but they're just so unwilling to change. Like, I, if you put if you put one card of every every year of Flawless in front of me, I, I probably couldn't tell you what year they are. Yep. Um, but again, and I, I, the thing I loved about Upper Deck, and you really appreciate it more now, is the their ability to take chances. And at the time, you know, it wasn't great, a lot of it. But exquisite every single year, Upper Deck Ultimate every single year, SP Authentic, you know, UD Black, they... Upper Deck would just do whatever they wanted to, and sometimes they, they look wildly different from one year to the next. And, yeah. you know, I, I appreciate the taking chances, and, and I think that's why this this old-school Upper Deck stuff has is, is really found such a, a fond place in a lot of collectors' hearts is because it's, it's so different. It, you know, there's there's something for everyone, whereas the vast majority of the new Panini stuff, it's I, I'd like to get into it. I just... I don't want to buy one of something that looks like everything else. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's 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 kind of where I am. I just stick with high end basketball, stay in stay in my lane, and and go from there. So you've mentioned switching what you collect. You know, you're sort of pivoting through the different sets that you like or cards that you like. So are you getting to a point where like you have too much stuff and then you like to consolidate? And if so, what's your strategy to shifting and consolidating your collection down to what you really like? Yeah, so the the consolidation thing, it's a it's a good question because it kind of what I touched on earlier, the fact that I tried these different approaches, with one of those approaches being buying out whole collections, um, it is incredible how quickly things can accumulate. Yeah, it's just in the the corner of a closet. Um, you go from one small safe to several boxes in a very short period of time. Uh, so for me, I mean, I've been I've been trying to pare back on the the collection that I have for the better part of I think three years now, honestly. And it's, it's funny because I was, as I was thinking about it a little bit this morning, it's like, okay, how did I do this? And it all, it was almost like you would, if you were spring cleaning around their house, around the house, or you wanted to donate stuff to Goodwill, it's like, all right, let's make some piles. <laughs> it was, it was honest to God, it was three piles. It was the stuff I want to keep, you know, that there was the no brainers. This isn't going anywhere. The stuff I wanted to sell which was just stuff that it was just taking up space. It was really no use to me. It, it just wasn't interesting. Yep. And then kind of the stuff in the middle where I wasn't really to, really ready to, to ditch it. But at the same time, I, I thought I might down the road. Um, and I would say that the biggest and almost the hardest part, whenever you're trying to sell things off and, and pair back uh, for me was selling the first card. I mean, as simple as it sounds, as soon as you make that sell pile, even if it's one, two, three cards, whatever, just, sell them immediately and even if it means taking a loss um and and cashing out and moving on just it's amazing how quickly things snowball from there because you know you you sell one thing and it's like okay this is gone this is good let's let's keep doing this let's keep this momentum up so it it was start with a small sell pile um you you do you know i'm i'm not perfect if anybody tells you they've never lost money on the sale of a card i might not necessarily believe them um so again it's it, it, it's one of those things you and it kind of goes back to you look to your middle pile and you're like all right why why do i think i need to keep this well maybe it's a young guy who you you still feel good about as a prospect and his rookie year wasn't great but you know it's it's a rookie year who knows what's going to happen so you want to hang on to them a little bit longer that's fine um you know maybe it's something that you paid a ton for and you're you're hoping it's going to bounce back a little bit and that's fine too, but more often than not, in my experience, that, that one probably needs to get shifted to the sell side, and 
and again, that's that's the hard part because nobody wants to to lose money on something like that. But but yeah, it, it was just a matter of being able to um, go through everything, and I think that's important too. Is that if you ever feel overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that you have, is to just go through it, and as you're going through it, you'll start to find trends and patterns in terms of what what sticks out to you, good, bad, or somewhere in the middle. And that helps you because I, I know when when I had this stuff, I would I would rifle through it, you know, the volume. I'd rifle through it, figure out what sells well, sell that stuff, and then I'd be like, oh, I'll get back to the smaller stuff later. And then you don't; it just sits there. So being able to to sit down on an afternoon and kind of go through all that stuff and, and understand why you like something, why you don't like something, uh, that really goes a long way in helping to just start that kind of consolidation process for. Um, whittling back on, on a collection. So I'm assuming you've had some regrets over the years in selling stuff. A lot of times I'll see people on the threads talk about they have regrets because the price has increased since they sold or like, you know, I used to have a LeBron rookie auto and now look at the price I should have never sold. Whereas my regrets are more on, I miss the actual card itself. Like I wish I wouldn't have sold that specific card and I'm not too worried about the price. Uh, is that something that you do as well? Uh, Unfortunately, yes. Um, I've there, there's all kinds of stuff that you know you, you wish you could have back, and and that's from both a, a collecting perspective of you know even if you you know some those rookie flashbacks. I mean those were those were great cards, um, even though I you know you do well on some stuff from a financial perspective, and that's why you move it. Um, you know you're not likely to see a lot of this stuff again, um, and I, I think that's. It, especially within high-end basketball and the fact that it's an it's a global market is that a lot of these really nice pieces oftentimes end up with um you know both domestic and international collectors um and the nice pieces just they disappear um you might see them pop up on instagram or you might see them on a, a random you know trade page or something like that but for the most part i think that the hobby is at the point where the the premium items are in such demand that if you if you let them go, you're probably not going to see them again. Right. It's that is definitely a big part of the regret <laughs> of selling off some of those those higher dollar items and and you know on the same point too that it stings knowing that I missed out on a, a little bit of cash. I mean the, the one horror story that I'll that I'll share is I had a LeBron ultimate rookie auto number to two fifty. It was a BGS ten ten. Oh. It was a pristine. <laughs> Four years ago, and I made it available on Blowout, on Sports Card Forum, Trader Retreat, whatever forums we were using at the time, for six grand. Nobody budged. Nobody. I had it posted for six or seven months. I took it to, uh, I think it was the the uh, Chicago National, maybe I don't know, but I I cashed out of it for like fifty eight hundred bucks, and now I think that card's worth ten times what I sold it for. So that's that's my self-inflicted wound at least the one i'm willing to share there are definitely others but um yeah it's when you see financial realities like that it can it can sting a little bit yeah totally um when i chat with you on instagram and i see your your stuff on blowout the one thing i notice is that you seem to be having a lot a lot more fun than the average collector (laughs) i try (laughs) your humor is definitely there uh can you just speak to um what fun means to you in this hobby because a lot of guys get you know are getting into the financial side of it and they sort of get away from why we started and that's to have fun and collect basketball cards can you just talk about that yeah no definitely i 
I can de- I can understand there's there's so many different ways to approach our little corner of the world. Um, you know, whether it's it's from the financial perspective, from just a pure collector hoarder perspective. But I mean, as you know, hard as it might be to believe, a social perspective. Um, but I mean, for me, it's 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 a big part of it is definitely the chase, the evolution of the hobby. You know, seeing again just that, and I think my experience too of starting and then getting out and then restarting, getting out and then hopping back in. You've they've been very very obvious or very jarring kind of changes to to the hobby and to see how it's changed but just the like the evolution of tastes and preferences like the evolution of how the how the internet's played such a huge part in this i mean i know when i when i first got back into things in college the the main the main online uh trading boards were like beckett the old beckett boards and hobby kings for basketball and like that there was trader retreat and sports card forum and we've gone through so many iterations and now it's it's blowout and Facebook groups and Instagram. So it's just, it's been fascinating from that perspective to see how the, the hobby's grown um, just as, you know, obviously as the, the internet has expanded as well. But I mean, for me, first and foremost, it's, it's the people, it's just fun. I mean, it, it never ceases to amaze me going to a show and you'll see all walks of life come up with all different types of cards. I mean, I've, I've had, teenagers come up to my booth and a lot of these teenagers have these big time Instagram accounts and they'll, they'll pull up with just like a, a plastic box. Like, Hey, you want to take a look at my stuff? That, of course, let's see what you got. And it's just it's Jordan rookies. It's Jordan autographs. And like, man, I was 15. I was just out. I don't know, like running through the woods or playing basketball or something. And you've got 20, $30,000 worth of cardboard in front of me. And of course they know every single price and every single sale. And it's, it's just, it's just cool. So it's, it's, you can see the, the youth in the hobby. And then, I mean, admittedly, some of my, my best actual friends, like not card friends, actual, you know, global friends are from all from cardboard. I mean, I, I, to toot his horn, Joe SP authentic. Like I, um, another one of the, the cards I have over here on the side is I got from him five years ago and you know, it, it started with talking about trying to buy a card and, and to this day, like we, we pretty much talk every day. He's staying with me at the national, like he'll be set up. So it's, it's just the, excuse me. It's just the different people, the different backgrounds, the different walks of life, the different countries. It's just somehow these stupid little pieces of cardboard with ink on them or this great equalizer um, where we can all, you know, meet different people and and learn different things. So as, as kind of corny as that is the truth, like I can't, I can't really take myself too seriously when it comes to just buying and selling sports cards. And when I started the hobby, I sort of had a probably a bad misconception of what the the common collector was. I thought it was mostly like the business side and but once I got into it and I started meeting a lot of the people, same as you, like I've I've made a lot of great friends and Yeah. Even just starting this channel, like people are coming out of nowhere like, Hey, I wanna be on the channel, I wanna talk and just seeing everyone's different you know, unique collections and hearing different stories. It's been a lot of fun. And I think that's definitely the best part of the hobby. Yeah, I agree. Anything that can be done to just, you know, humanize these little inanimate objects that you see on an Instagram feed. Like there's, there's people and fun stories behind them too. I mean, last year at the the national, I bought a card. It was a Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, um, 2000, 2001 UD game Jersey dual autograph. It was numbered eight of 10. It was Kobe's jersey. It was the same guy who 16 years ago pulled the original redemption for that card. He had had it for 16 years and he sold it to me. And then 
Kiki, Croatian twins. He that was the first time I met him, and he hung out at the booth. He has the other the variation in the eight of ten. So he was able in a matter of 24 hours, we unearthed the card that had been hidden from the same a single person for 17 years. And Kiki and I were able to make a deal so he could pair the two eight of tens together. And wow. it's just, I mean, all this happened within a day. So it's just kind of, it, it blew our collective minds. Like what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Those kind of stories are awesome. I like to, uh, I like to enjoy some of my cards that aren't like pristine condition. Cause I, I always imagine like there's some story that got it to this point, right? Someone enjoyed the card before I had it or they, you know, it's been changing hands a lot or it's gone through all these different things. And so if I get like a PSA six or five, it doesn't bother me as much as most. Um, let's see. So you will be at national and you've set up a few years in a row. So can you just give us a brief overview of your setup, what it's going to look like, uh, what you're looking forward to most? Yeah, I think aside from the, the people, like we kind of talked about the, the best part of the national for me is, is just the unknown. I mean, if there's ever a chance that you're going to have the the stories, like I just mentioned, of these these crazy cards or crazy stories of, of you know stuff coming through that you've just you've never seen it before, you didn't even know existed, you've been looking for it for years and years and years, um, the national is the place for it to happen, uh, just because everybody puts out their their best and their brightest stuff. There's hundreds and hundreds of tables, um, you know, so even if even if you're a multi-sport guy, you're going to be able to find everything and anything under the sun. Um, it's, it, you know, it's it's a competition, too, admittedly. Like, I, I think it was somebody posted the other day in one of the national threads about, like, hey, let's let's have a contest to see, like, who can find the, the best steal or the, the the rarest card or from a set or whatever. And it, it's true. It's, you know, you want to you want to be out there. You want to find stuff before other people can, whether it's, you know, to, to make a, some money for a, a personal collection, whatever. Um, and, and there's plenty of deals to be had. There's plenty of good stuff to find. And I think that's what, what makes it that much more fun is that it's not a matter of like beating somebody the punch on, on the internet or winning an eBay auction. It's like somehow finding from these hundreds of thousands of cards in this massive uh, warehouse or massive uh, floor space you were able to find the one thing that, that you were looking for again, whether it was to flip for personal collection, whatever. Um, so I think just the, the, the hunt is certainly a, a really fun thing about the national as well. Um, and then for me personally, it's, it's just kind of enjoying my collection for a week. Like I, I, this is really the only show I set up at, like I, the other ones I mentioned, I've, I've set up at them once or twice before, but I'll normally just go for a morning. Um, but this is kind of the one time out of the year where I, I throw everything in a display case um, just kind of take a step back and be like, oh, kind of enjoy this. This is fun. Um, and, you know, you make it all available, too. If It's it's funny. I've fielded some questions about, you know, from people, other high-end collectors who are going to the National for the first time, and they're like, should I bring in everything? You know, should I only bring certain stuff? Should I bring it all? And my response is always, well, bring it all, but be ready for it to leave if you bring it because – there's a very, very good chance that whether it's other dealers in the room who'll just walk up to a table and, you know, put $100,000 in cash on a display case to buy people out, um, you know, whether it's making a huge trade for something you never thought you would see before, ever and you need certain cards that you brought with you as part of the deal. I mean, that, that stuff happens every year. It happens all the time. So it's it's something you have to be ready for. But that's kind of part of the excitement, too. Again, that's just you don't know what's going to happen. Um, you just don't know what you're going to see. Uh, it's, you just, 
you just don't know. So the, the unknown is, you know, you, you walk in there on Tuesday or Wednesday and then on Sunday you, I try and I do it old school. I don't do anything on my phone. I just have a little memo pad and paper and I write down what goes out, what comes in and I'll flip through that memo pad and be like, well, a lot, a lot going on in those five days. So anything you have is up for sale. I know a lot of guys, they'll do it just to kind of show off, but everything you have, you would be willing to part with at some. Uh, some I would, I would say that, both points that you just made are correct. <laughs> I, I price things admittedly to a point where they're more likely for just show off than, sure. than to move. But I've, again, I've done that before and I've had people either again, come up with stuff to trade or just that, that wanted something and, and we made a deal. So it's, it's, it's all ready to go. If, <laughs> if the stars align, it's not coming home with me, unfortunately. <laughs> well, there's a couple that I'm going to be eyeing at your collection. So we, uh, I'm always willing to pay over a price, so we'll see what happens. I'll try and I'll try and index some of the asking prices that I have just for you. So, sure. we'll... I mean, you know what I'm looking for, so I don't have to bring it up again. Um, I want to hit on one somber topic, and then I yep. want to look at some cards. Yep. So the one thing I wanted to ask you, I know you've seen the fake threads around the '90s stuff, and you know I've been involved in that, um, and you've had some comments on the threads. Did you have anything you wanted to talk about? I know it's, I want to do a, a longer podcast about it, but I know you've been involved, so I think you have some pretty strong opinions about it. No, definitely. And obviously, thank you for sharing and every, you know, the process of going through, working through everything with PSA and, you know, your understanding of, of why you thought something was one way and then other people chiming in with, with other experiences and ideas and just being so transparent with that process. Uh, I think that's been, that's one thing I'll say is that everybody has been, and I'll, I really hope I don't jinx this, but everybody in those threads, the, you know, the, the fake threads has been incredibly civil and helpful. You know, there's, there's been differences of opinion and people asking questions, why, or why do you think this? But for the most part, everybody's been willing to share knowledge and to try and figure this out because unfortunately it's not, not going anywhere anytime soon, um, especially as the um, as the prices of a lot of these cards just continue to, to jump at pretty ridiculous rates. Right. So the more information that we can share and be willing to share experiences of, of what we've seen, like especially with you and, and Grant and I think Matt as well, reaching out to the PSA and working with them to send them some some of the questionable cards and so they can get educated. I still don't know what BGS is doing, but um, you know it's. It's, it's good to see that not only the, the hobbyists such as ourselves are, are taking action, but also the people who, um, you know, are in place to make sure and the experts to say basically, yes, this is the real deal. So the more information that can be shared, um, the more we can kind of continue to bounce experiences and observations off of each other, uh, I think is, is going to be fantastic for us. Um, the, the main thing that I would say is don't be afraid to ask questions or ask for help. Um, if there's something that's questionable, whether it's from, you know, authenticity of a card, um, you're, you have questions about a deal in terms of the other person, the other party, um, you're just not sure what to do in a certain situation, feel free to reach out to anybody. I mean, I, on Blowout specifically or Instagram, like just, you can always shoot me a message. I know, Josh, you're the same way. Just shoot a message in terms of, hey, this, something about this seems off. What, mm -hmm. what should I do or what are your thoughts? Because when I first uh, got back into things um, in college, I got ripped off for a couple thousand bucks a deal. 
Um, it was it was all like my eyes were bigger than my stomach type thing. Like, oh, this is a huge win for me. I was I was just chasing the cash for a nice you know a nice flip um, to get back into things. And I mean, all the red flags were there. You send first. This guy didn't have any, have any references. Um, you know, take a group picture. Well, here's some scans. Blah blah blah. And it's just. Looking back on it, it's like, you know, I I screwed up in every sense of the word. Like, I, I did a very bad job on every single part of that deal. Um, but I didn't, I was too prideful or too embarrassed or, or whatever it was to, like, to reach out to my my card buddy um, at school and be like, dude, does this make sense? Like, this guy's kind of, he's being a, a jerk right now, and he's trying to bully me into doing this and just all sorts of stuff that that I should have run up the flagpole with him with somebody who's been doing this much longer than I have um, and I and I got burned um, so you know I, I can fully appreciate and understand somebody being nervous or concerned about a deal wanting a second set of eyes just to say am I crazy for thinking this because um, most of the time you're not like just just go with your gut feeling um, and and that's all you can do that's that's the best you can do thankfully we're at a point now where whether it's a lot of like the Facebook groups with scammers um, that are just, it's a scammer pages devoted to, um, to jerks who rip people off. Um, just simple Google searches, the, the breadth and depth of knowledge on the forums, on Instagram. Like there's a lot of really good places to find information. Um, and again, maybe that's something that you don't know. And if you, if you want help trying to track down a card or a person, um, that's not as hard as it used to be um, at all. So again, if there's ever any questions that anybody has about, um, you know, a person is a, is a card legit? Like, is this patch fake? Is this card fake? Whatever. Um, there's more than enough people out there who are more than happy to help out. Um, the only thing I will say is that it, it's that's very different from should I make this trade from a value perspective or a card? You know, I'm giving up this and getting this in return. Should I do it? Like, yeah. I, I'm. I'm <laughs> Sorry, but I'm, we we have eBay. You know, we, there's different ways to gauge this. You know, uh, good luck. But I'm not. That's not what I'm talking about. It's a matter of somebody not being comfortable with how any aspect of a deal is going, um, and just not being afraid to reach out to individuals to make a post or whatever, uh, because that's that's really really important. Both sides have to be comfortable. And if you if you drop something in the mail and as soon as it's gone, you're immediately stressing out. Like that's you probably shouldn't be making a deal. Yep. That was very well said, man. Appreciate you uh, touching on that. That's really, it's a, it's happened to all of us, man. Unfortunately, it it's 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 a thing that we have to deal with now. And and again, yeah. I think we're we're all very well equipped to deal with it. And everybody is is doing a a pretty good job so far of making sure that you know the the conversation stays civil. Yeah. Um, but we we just need to to stay that way. And you know, just don't be afraid to to reach out for help. I know you would agree, but the the importance of all of us getting behind this and getting it figured out is paramount. Like it's not only protecting our financials in the value of these cards, but also like we don't want this happening. This is just gonna it's just a downer for the hobby and it you know, we don't want fakes in our in our collections either. So it's super important we have to get we have to figure it out and we have to keep talking about it. And everyone has different areas of expertise too. You know, there's people yeah. who are experts in nineties cards, there's people who can spot fake patches a mile away. Yep. Again, it's just finding you know, finding the resources that best suit whatever question or issue you need to address. Um, and we can go from there because they're definitely out there. Totally. Well, let's, I purposely made that the last question so that we could go from that straight to the, the fun stuff, show off some cards. 
All right. So I've grabbed a few. So I went to I went to University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill for undergrad and grad school. Um, and I, I played a year of basketball there, so I'm I'm a pretty diehard Tar Heel. So there's a there's a couple cards that that specifically speak to that. The first one is let's see if I can do this right. So the first one is a it's a buyback or it's a, I think this is a camp autograph uh, that somebody got with Jordan um, at one of his flight schools. But it's just Dean Smith and Jordan together. I mean Dean's the goat for me. There there is no other there is no other option. I know other coaches have more wins and losses and national titles, but Dean for both basketball and beyond basketball, what what he did. Um, just for the sport in general is, is like nothing else that I don't think, I don't think we'll ever see it in our life, at least not in my lifetime. Um, and then the second one, so this is the one that, that I bought from, uh, from Joe again, four or five years ago. And this is what kickstarted, uh, whether he would agree to it or not our friendship, but it's, it's the only back pulled Dean Jordan auto, I think from Oh six, Oh seven. Yeah. Chronology. So this is, again, I make everything available at the National, but when people ask for the price on this, what it would take to get it, <laughs> it's very clear that that one has more meaning. it's probably not a good idea to buy that. That's yeah, what I'll say. Sure. Um, all right, so the other things, I mean, obviously I'm, a, I'm an unabashed UD Black fan. I think the 2008-2009 UD Black dual patch autos, the silvers and the golds, are, are some of the, the nicest cards for me that, that I've ever seen. So, of course, these have been posted before, but... I'll never miss an opportunity to show them off again. So this is the this is the Kobe LeBron, um, and as far as I know, there's only two different sets where it's both on card autos of Kobe and LeBron with uh, patches. So there's there's on card jersey auto duels, there's sticker auto patch duels, um, but as far as I know, this is the only on card patch autograph of the two with the other one being, and there's a couple of them online right now, um, but it's from 0809. Uh, I think it's called ultimate pairings mm. um, number to five. The, there's one online right now that has a LeBron inscription on it where uh, he signed it on the patch, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm much more the UD black stuff. So the card is nasty, man. Predictable. This would be the next one. So it's, uh, it's one of the, Jordan LeBron, UD Black Golds, number to five. I have two of these, but um, I just grabbed the uh, this one because it's got the the Cavs patch, similar to the Kobe the Kobe duel. And the thing that the thing that I like about this one is that I grabbed this at a national uh, four years ago, I think. So I already had I had one of them, and again, it was just one of those things wandering around and and. So when I go to the national, I don't really stay at my booth. I'm just always wandering around trying to grab stuff that's put out quickly and as inventory is recycled in and out, you know, pretty much nonstop for five days. I, I try and walk around more. Um, and that just got thrown out. So what do you want on it? And I was happy with what he wanted on it. So it. to the stash. Um, so as I mentioned to the, the refractors, so I, I did sell quite a few of those just cause I had a quite a bit of volume, but I did leave, I did hang on to, to a few of those so i mean the 96 97 top, top, the tops chrome oh that was man there's lighting. like no green on that thing too yeah it's perfect yeah so the the jordan and i know there's a few tens of these but for me it, it was mainly finding one that is that is a graded so it's nice but just without the green like you mentured so dude i love that one's, uh, PSA nines are awesome dude they're like 
so close to perfect and the prices are much better. Yeah, and the for those people, I know there's I know there's a lot of talking about shiny stuff on the on the boards and a lot of people aren't really into it, but if you've ever seen the 96 97 chrome refractors in person, I mean they they glow. It's it's just yeah. the most ridiculous thing that whatever the the type of chrome they use that year and then the the refractor finish that they put on them, they they legitimately look like they're glowing. And then the last but not least, uh, for yes. you for your picture in the background, the so, old the so old chalk toss. I still think I still think this is the nicest the combination of the the gold finish, the photo of LeBron and the chalk toss. It's just it's just iconic. Like it's just one of my favorite cards. It it perfectly encapsulates like everything a sports card should be. So that's that would be my my little stash without going going too deep into the inventory all right man i'm gonna wrap it up this has been amazing i'm gonna see that card first thing when i when i see you i'm gonna ask you to pull out that gold refractor more than happy to um this was amazing thanks for all your knowledge man thanks for coming on appreciate it no Uh, of course thank you for having me and i i i'm a big fan i love the show great well i will see you at national awesome sounds good take care josh see you